Oh yeah, like, he's 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 uh he's he's not a. He's not the usual cocky, uh, quick talker. He's more of like an introverted, yes, weirdo. Absolutely, and I, I absolutely agree with that too. I absolutely not agree. I absolutely uh, empathize empathize with that as well. Yeah, you're a, you're an introverted weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Super Black Podcast. I am your host, Carl Waldron, and with me this week is a very dear friend of mine, a giant nerd and an amazing artist. You've seen his work on the website. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Daniel O'Brien. What's up, buddy? How's it going, folks? But uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast because you are a friend and you are a giant nerd and you're probably... One of two other people on this world who I can talk to freely about weird stuff like uh, superheroes. And there has been a sort of uh, trend recently that we've been talking about that I think we both coined the blackification of certain characters Uh, in the media. And uh, I thought this would be a great venue for us to talk about it with uh, everybody. So I want to talk about which blackified character feels the most forced now i chose three characters completely at random i rolled some uh some D dice and uh we'll just chat about them and see what uh what we think all right recently iron man became a black woman named riri williams that's number one recently we've heard that the rocketeer will be a Black female taking place uh, a couple years after Cliff gets lost uh, in his Nazi fighting. And number three, a mainstay, Mr. Sam William, uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, the first black Captain America. Those are our three characters. They've all they were all once white, strong people, and now they're going to be strong black people. Mm. Let us discuss. All right. Let me just say that I'm all for uh, the blackifying of characters. Of course. You know, but in these terms, I'd have to talk about the Rocketeer first and foremost. And let me just say once again that I'm, you know, I'm okay with this as long as they give it the right treatment. Like when I first saw this in the news, I was like, what are they trying to do? Because this is on the, the heels of the Ghostbusters movie where everybody was all up in arms because they changed the cast to be female. I was like, okay, all right, fine. I'm, I'm, you know, I was all for it because of the cast and of the director. Yeah. You know, I've never seen them in a bad movie, so I was okay with this. I want to see who they put behind this movie, the writers, the directors. Because right now, in my head, I can't think of a good enough reason to make this character a black female. With that being said, I can see a black male because, let's face it, World War II, experimental jetpack, I think um, the Tuskegee Airmen. You know, yeah. it's like, they're, they're, I can see you know, a scientist be like, hey, this may be too dangerous for us. How about you try this? Yeah, kind of like and, a front lines type thing, like uh, 
what was that South Park line? <laughs> Operation Get Behind the Darkies. Yes, <laughs> More absolutely. like a like you are going to be the test subject for this rocket pack. They hand it to this man, and he's just like, ah. Uh, I guess I have to because I enlisted. I wanted to serve my country, and this is how you're kind of going to treat me. And then he turns out to be the hero of the war. He becomes the Rocketeer. Yes, I agree with you. That actually sounds really awesome. That sounds like a very that's something you, uh, an actor can probably sink their teeth into. Like that. Like how do I how do I get behind this like uh, almost uh, test subjecty type role within the military, but then balance that with I am now like the face of the war and I can make a real difference. Sorry to cut across you, but the funny thing is I can see them making a case. You know, this is a Disney movie, so of course he's going to be the front man, right? If, if it were to come down to it. But I can see them making a case for World War II to keep that mask on. Just, just never like taking it off. Exactly. Just like Captain America back in the day, he was, he was not known as Steve Rogers. He, yeah, he was, was known as Captain America with the yeah. mask on all the times. So he, could, he could be that iconic hero forever and forever and forever. They can, you know, if he dies, hell, we just throw somebody else in the mix and keep it moving. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frankenstein from the Death Death Race movies. Exactly. Absolutely. See, I can't make references like that to anybody else and they will get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's also a very bad reference. I'm sorry, everybody. That was, although like, sure. I do love those movies. They're ridiculous, but I love them. Uh, let's, let's jump back into this. And- I like it. Uh, look, the, the Rocketeer thing came out of left field to me because... One, I don't want a new Rocketeer movie. And maybe this is like the old man in me talking like, I had what I wanted and I don't want anyone else to have it. But The Rocketeer is a great movie. If you if you sit your kids down and just put The Rocketeer on, it, it still resonates. It's still fine. You exactly. know, like the time period in which it was created and it, the time period in which it was set, it's like a time capsule. You want to... The way it was filmed, the, the effects in it, it, it all works to what it was trying to be kind of thing. Mm-hmm. A CGI Rocketeer would just be Iron Man, no? Yeah. Like the, uh, no, yes, absolutely. Like, we, we, we have that. Like, kids have their own Rocketeer, and it's Iron Man. Like, it, that's what he is. And he's been that for the past 12 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. To, to update it now... I guess I can say whatever. It, it's not for me. You know, I had my Rocketeer the way, you know, everyone had their, you know, thing back in the day. And they want to give this to, to a new generation. Fine. But I I almost don't understand why it's a black female. And I'm not saying it shouldn't be. I'm just saying, and again, let's just take a step back and say, we can't really judge it yet because Literally no information except the fact that it was a black female uh, lead came out. But that's almost enough for us to talk about it because why was that the first thing that you put out? Like they could have just said, we're making a Rocketeer remake. Yeah. And, and it's feel- it's going to be such and such and we'll have more information later. But they had, I don't know, the for- the forethought to say that and it's going to be cast as a black female like what it it that's why i put her on the list because it it that feels forced to me like that feels like you're saying hey guess what we're 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 making a black female rocketeer cool right like get that buzz going that's exactly what it is yeah it all comes out because i don't you know don't quote me on this but there's no scripts it's just an idea they're throwing out there and they're going to give it to a writer like hey let's see what you're going to do you know let's see what you can do with this from this point on 
You know, yeah. it's like, I don't know about, I don't, you know, I don't know my history well enough to say like, okay, where would a black woman properly fit into this script? You know, if you can find a writer that can make that pop, all the power to you. But right now, it seems very forced. Riri Williams, who is now like uh, running as Iron Man within the, uh, I believe it's the international Iron Man storyline. Mm-hmm. How do you see those two comparing in terms of being a forced character? Because Iron Man is traditionally Tony Stark. He mm-hmm. always has been, you know. It, they've had uh, derivatives. Even uh, War Machine is just the black version of Iron Man. Yep. So now there is a, literally an Iron Man or Iron Woman who is a, uh, a very intelligent, very resourceful young black woman in college who reverse engineered one of Tony Stark's uh, suits and is using it to fly around and save people. I'm all for it. Once again, as long as it makes sense in that world. The other thing I thought when I saw it was like, okay, a lot of things play into like the Marvel Cinematic Universe now. And from what I understand, you know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. can only get so old and yeah. keep playing Iron Man and the He's rest of these characters. There. So sometimes it feels like Marvel is taking certain ideas and throwing them at the wall to see what would stick. Only because once Robert Downey Jr. can't play Iron Man anymore, I, they need a younger, fresher person and more relatable to play that role so people will keep being interested in it. And you think that their reaction is Riri. It's saying, let's, let's get a young, a young college-aged female with uh, you know, some, some, some personality, make her very smart, and then she can take the reins when they inevitably create the all-new Avengers and you know, start this whole uh, you know, phase, you know, phase A. You know, phase like, seventeen, if yeah, anything, when when it's a bunch of young people taking over, uh, you think that they're going to employ Riri as that Iron Man? I say I don't think it's for certain. They're trying to see if that character will have enough buzz to carry over when that time needs to come. Like, yeah. I can I, I can totally see a decade down the road where Robert Downey Jr. is in his Walker, <laughs> Chris Evans is. You know, way too old to play Captain America now, and they not old, not enough CGI in the world can help him out. It's like, okay, we need an all new cast, and there you go, you have Riri, and Marvel has that cash cow to keep him going. Yeah, you know, I I love it, I absolutely love it because you know we need more of that. It's like we both agree that it's it's a it can't you know it's not a bad thing at all, but sometimes like you know being the introvert thinker that I am, it's like okay. Why is this being done? Is it because you feel it needs to be done, or is it because this is going to affect your bottom dollar? Yeah. If this is now a popular thing to do, what happens when it no longer be- becomes popular? Will these characters just fade to the background and pretend like it never happened? It's an excellent point. What would ha- what would need to happen is if you're going to build these characters up, they need to take prominence. And I don't want to lose Tony Stark. Tony Stark is Iron Man to me. Riri Williams is not Iron Man to me. But is there a place for Riri that she's she's effective, you know? And I think that's the cool thing about the all new Avengers is that they're they're trying to rejigger the team a little bit, and they have uh, a lot more characters and a lot more uh, space for people. So hopefully, 
she gains traction. Hopefully she has some good writers around her that she continues to be an interesting character, you know, and, and it doesn't become like she's a part of the Green Lantern Corps where it's just a whatever character somewhere in the back. Like, yeah, she's a Green Lantern, but whatever. I feel as if Tony Stark will have to die or he will have to take a big back seat for them to build up her as a character well enough for people to actually relate and want to keep around. But I think I think she I'm I'm kind of on the other side of it where I think she is a unique enough character and further away from Tony enough that they can exist together without kind of stepping on each other's toes. Riri and Tony are are miles apart. Tony mm. Tony is a billionaire with, you know, he's trying to figure out who his whose parents are and you know he's he's got nanotech and all this other stuff uh riri is a, a very smart mit student who finds tony stark's armor and basically just says i'm gonna wear this and mm-hmm. i'm gonna try and help people mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily have to interact i'd say i i totally get that but i also feel they would have to try to find a way to rebrand her not necessarily give her the iron like the iron man moniker but give her something a little, like catchy, so you're not relating to Tony Stark. Because I mean, I'm just being the older, you know, crotchety nerd. You know, like I like you know, I know my Tony Stark. I know my Iron Man. Yeah. And it's yes, these two characters exist in the same world, but the different, like the same name, kind of gets muddled together for me. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the questions that I I know I posed to you early on is. Would these characters be served to, uh, would they be better off as their own characters without any baggage? She would make a bigger impact if she were just another character. Like, if she were just a very smart, maybe she builds her own suit that does something different. Mm. Maybe she ju- builds a gigantic mech that she stomps around in. Like, I don't know if uh, Marvel has anything like that, but that sounds pretty cool. That, I mean that that'd be interesting. That'd be you know that's yet to be seen. If they can find a way to give her her own personal look without adding metal breasts to yeah. the, the chest plate, yeah, you know, and and make her distinctive. He's he's from, he's one of the most like uh, he's had the most like costume changes. Exactly, and yeah. they have a good reason for it. You know, upgrade the tech, upgrade the armor. You know, so what can you possibly do with Riri to have it make sense? You know, they have it make sense in that world. And, I, you know, I trust the writers can do it. I just hope that it doesn't kind of fall to the wayside. She just becomes this auxiliary character that was just there when they needed her, when Marvel needed to make that money. You know, it's like, I love it. You know, it's like, I, I, I want to read more. I want to be able to pull that in and, and relate to these characters, give it to other, you know, other people to relate as well. But we'll see. Time will tell. Indeed. I've said it all along, yeah. And the last on our list for today is Sam Wilson as Captain America. Uh, do you feel that that character was forced into the Captain America role? I know it was there was a big, it wasn't big, but there was some controversy about it. But then it kind of all dusted away because what's the big deal? Well, uh, I mean, Marvel Marvel does what they do best. They publicize the ending of you know, they spoil their own books when this first happened. Yeah, Marvel, I think, put on a press release like weeks in advance, saying that this was going to happen and spoiled everything for everybody. And in the beginning, I was doubtful 
But knowing the character and actually knowing the history, understanding like what happened, Sam Wilson waiting in the reins for such a long time. He, I mean, he just knew Captain America because he's, he's his best friend for who knows how long. Yeah, like, even just, in the books, like he was, it was a long time coming. It wasn't just yeah. Bucky. He was always Falcon was always by his side in some form or fashion throughout the years. Exactly, like he he was his connection to the modern world. You know, that, that's essentially what 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 he became, what the Red Falcon became was like. Okay, you know, uh, start, not not Tony. Um, Steve is a man out of time. And I need to find a character. I need to find a, a person that can help me relate to what's going on now. Because originally Captain America, yes, he fought in the war, but there was a very long time like he was a street level superhero. You know, and I feel as if when Sam Wilson took back over, they brought him back to that street level roots where he's on a a Southwest airline getting to a, a location where he he needs to fight a supervillain. Yeah, right. It's, he's it's being great scene. Great. Ex- ex- Exactly. Like it was like I, I, I absolutely totally get it. I'm I'm absolutely behind it. I'd I'd like to say that he's not the most forced character here. I think he's the most natural progression. Yes. Where where Bucky even got to play Captain America for a bit and then they gave it to Sam because Sam was his best friend and Sam knew the ropes to be Captain like he spent the most time with Captain America to understand what it meant to be that guy. Exactly. And he, the storyline actually supports a lot of that. It, ch- it changed for me when uh, Captain America Red, White, and Black came out, mm-hmm. where that whole other retcon happened. You know, once again, it's spoilers where Captain America was not the first person they injected with the super serum. And it turned out that, you know, he found the original successful Black Captain America. Was it Is- that- Isaiah Bradley? Exactly. Yeah. And Isaiah Bradley had a, had a grandson. The Patriot? But- Yes, he became the Patriots. Yeah. But get back to what we were talking about before, the whole thing of like, it makes sense. It, they build years and years of Sam Wilson, so like that transition was easy. Like you had those uber nerds and those slightly bigoted uber nerds that were like, I need my Captain America blonde hair, blue eyes. Like It, it changes every once in a while. That's comics. You know, that's how to keep people interested. Yeah. And I enjoy reading those stories. You know, it makes me happy inside knowing that this can actually happen. I showed this uh, black Captain America comic to a, uh, a friend of mine and I lent him the book and his, he sent me a picture of his son reading the book. And it, it was like, now he has you know, a hero that he can look up to and say, look, there's a black Captain America, I can be Captain America. Not only was it a natural progression, not only is it an interesting book, but it's cool. Like it's it's cool for this new generation of kids to come up and see this. And Steve Rogers is still around, so it's not mm-hmm. like anyone's missing anything. It's 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 still fun watching. Like I can't wait for Halloween to come around and see a, uh, a little kid walk around in Finn cosplay or Black Panther cosplay or even Hermione. Yep. That moment, that realization brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, it's a, I, like I'll be absolutely honest. So we have our three characters. We've already established that Sam Wilson's Captain America is not the most forced. Yes. So it's between Riri and the Rocketeer. What is your vote? Uh, right now, because I know nothing about it. Well, actually, say the only thing I know about it is, is it's buzzwords they're throwing out. Right. So that right now seems the most forced because there's no actual script or real scripts. I don't know how far they're in, but like they just throw out buzzwords: Rocketeer, Black, Female. I will agree with you because yeah. I think Riri has a little bit more 
uh, bite. Of course, the Rocketeer is not fleshed out yet, but like we said, we can only react to what we're given, and why, what we're given is a lot of buzzwords, like you said. So, yes, our vote for the most forced blackified character in the past couple months is the Rocketeer slash uh, unnamed black female lead. The question is, name and discuss a black character that deserves a push. Who would you like to see? What character, what black superhero or supervillain would you like to see get a push at mainstream media? I'm going to have you go first. Mine was Black Panther, and he got his push. But now that he's got that, my secondary one, which is funny that you actually wrote it down, is Icon. Because I think Icon is a very underutilized superhero within the dc universe considering he was part of that uh the multiverse I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the the multiverse he was created the the dwayne mcduffie verse yeah but it like has we, like a it has like a, a a name i'm gonna look it up you cannot name icon you cannot name um status shock without mentioning mcduffie you know, yeah, like, milestone make, yes it's like make let you know let him rest in peace yeah but he had such such a heavy hand in terms of creating these characters and fleshing them out and have them make sense and writing these great stories for them. Um, so I think I just had to bring up that name just for the sake of bringing it up, just yeah. to give him the recognition because like only like the real real nerds will know who you're talking about. Like you know, it's like when you mention Icon, like we the last time I saw him actually in use was in Young Justice. Exactly, yeah. And he was and he was a background character, but you like just looking at him, you knew he was a heavy hitter. And not only that, in Young Justice, they made it a point to induct him into the Justice League in one of the episodes. And I yes. thought that was amazing. And that was actually the impetus for me actually creating Super Black. It was seeing Icon not knowing off the bat, like off the like, who's that? And then I was like, oh wait, is that the guy from the Milestone Comics? Looked it up, and it was. And then yep. to see them, see DC acknowledge that he is a powerful hero, and bring him into the Justice League uh, within the the cartoon, I was like, well, that's amazing. Him and his uh, partner Rocket, I believe, yeah, uh, get treated very well within yes. Young Justice, and it's amazing to see that happen, especially with a character from Milestone Comics. You know, being on Young Justice, it was so fun seeing him on screen, but it kind of stunk. Not kind of, it did. It was a disappointment that you didn't hear him talk more. His his big thing was his demeanor. Like, he was this big brick house black Superman, Superman-esque character. He was basically Superman. But intelligent, Ivy League-educated lawyer that spoke very quote-unquote proper and the superheroes in the universe called him whitewashed you know and i related to that character growing up because you know it was like i was educated a little different differently and i moved to queen jamaica queens when we first moved to this you know moved to this country and it was so weird people relating to me in such a way where i don't like how you speak you know, because I spoke very proper, quote unquote proper, and knowing of and knowing of Icon and knowing that he dealt with a similar issue made him more relatable to me. I said, "Oh no!" It's like he he was a lawyer. I forgot about this. Like he was a lawyer for them, 
in the alternate uh, the uh, when they went on trial when Justice League went on trial. Right. So I have to, yeah. I have to, go, I have to go back through that again to see. Oh wait, exactly. was it, it was him and or was it Green Lantern? I have no, to go back was, and watch too. It was uh, yeah. Icon was their lawyer. Like, I remember. I remember so he did him, have okay, lines. Yeah, yeah, he did have lines. I have to I have to go back and see exactly how. You know, like how they made him speak. That's, it sounds ignorant me saying it out loud, but I'm curious now. Like I'm gonna watch it just for that reason, to see how dead on it was. Because seeing him like just sit there, like this, like I said, huge brick house of a dude, yeah. you know, with that resting bitch face. Let's face it. Yeah, he, he knowing, always looks upset. <laughs> exactly, but but knowing that like he is a powerhouse of a character. I would love. I would have loved to see him interact more with a villain. Like just mm-hmm. show off some of that power. Because they, we don't really get that in the show. We get the fact that the Justice League respects him, yes, and see him as a a useful addition to the team. But we never see him, as far as I remember, lay a fist on anybody, which would have been exactly because he's basically like the Martian Manhunter crossed with Superman, which is a deadly combination. And with that, yeah. I'm going to call this a <laughs> podcast. If you want to be uh, give me a give me a white superhero. Give me a blue superhero. If you want, hey, if, if, uh, blue, blue beetle. Blue if beetle. you want to be blue beetle and, and and as a cosplay, you do it. Who cares what color your skin is? Because we're all red on the inside, red and mushy. This has been the Super Black <laughs> Podcast. I have been your host, Carl Waldron, and Daniel has been my guest. Daniel, please tell the people about your book. Uh, my book is The Carnival Prince. Uh, like I said before, I'm Trinidadian, and I've always loved uh, myth and folklore. And I've always loved the carnival culture in Trinidad as well, so I found a way one day to combine those two things that I love. Oh, and a little bit of Jim Henson thrown in there as well, puppetry and all that wonderful stuff. And I created a, a new character based on old myths, you know, Think of two ancient mytho- mythological characters coming together, having a baby, and their baby is now the Carnival Prince, and he's off having his own adventures. And same time, telling the history of Carnival, a uh, brief history of Trinidad in itself. And I'm hoping to expand on that universe and have kids once again um, see a heroic character in themselves and be able to learn about their culture and their past. And that's why that story exists, at least for me. is it, The main reason I made that story is because I wanted to reconnect with myself and reconnect with my culture. And writing that, writing and illustrating that book was a way for me to do that. Amazing. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense to me. What I will do is you will provide me with a link to more information. I'll put that link in the show notes for this podcast so that everyone can see it. Everyone can click through and read. And hopefully everyone can like Say yeah, I want to donate to help have this thing published, and I want to. I want a book too. I want you a, a physical copy. You know, maybe start a Patreon or a Kickstarter. We can do anything because the internet is huge. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. Super Black is a place to make things happen, people, and that's what I'm trying to do for my friend Daniel. Thank you, Daniel, for showing up. We're going to have you on more podcasts because this is now your home. They've heard your voice. Awesome. Everyone, this has been the Super Black Podcast, and we are out.